0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: Supported by thegeldedn.com. To browse and buy vintage lead shirts, player signed prints, and classic memorabilia, go to thegeldedn.com. The Square Ball, by the fans, for the fans, since 1989. To buy the magazine, read the blog, and to download the podcast, visit thesquareball.net.
2: There's nothing good on TV anymore, is there? Some documentary on a Monday and Doncaster Overs' match on a Friday, and the rest of the time it's just repeats. Tell you what, why not turn off the telly and listen to the Square Ball podcast instead? Hello, it's the Squareball Podcast, number 37, welcome along. Uh, We'll be talking about the Who Owns Leeds United documentary a little bit later on in the podcast and speaking to the producer of the documentary, Neil Morrow. But first, let me introduce the other members of the podcast, you know them by now, I'm sure. Michael's here. Hello. Moscow White. Hello there. And Oddy. Hello. Uh, Buy our magazine. Issue (laughs) 3 is on sale now. Please, Uh, please, uh, buy it. We're quite
1: blunt about this
2: now, aren't we? Um, Issue 3, last few remaining copies going to be on sale versus Coventry. And the new one is out for the Cardiff lunchtime kickoff? Yes, the issue four will be on sale for Cardiff. Super. Um, and also via the website in digital and paper format. Go to thesquareball.net. You can also get subscriptions on there if you want to get issues from this season and all the remaining ones that are due to come. Well worth it. Squareball.net. And also get in touch with us. Podcast at thesquareball.net if you want to drop us an email. You can get us on Facebook and you can get us on Twitter. Look for us. We are The Square Ball on both. White watching, right, clean sheet, victory, all the world is good.
3: We've turned a corner. We're going up. Leeds are going up, going up.
4: We might be, we might be. Well, we might finish mid-table, which is probably all right, given the squad we've got.
1: Finish above Portsmouth, that'll be good. Yeah. That's that's what we can learn, because we're better than them, because we beat them in a match. <laughs> that's how it works.
2: Playground rules. That means we would have won the FA Cup from the other year,
1: doesn't it? I believe that the trophy is on its way to Elendrode, it's going to be in the new museum. Excellent. Him. No, it's good. It's proof that uh, Simon Grayson listens to the Squareball podcast because we did tell him how to solve all these defensive problems last time. You said to and, get uh, rid of them
4: all. You said line them all up and shoot them. I or said
1: change the personnel and he changed the personnel. Tom Lees came in the middle. That was a He's like a different man. Like a new signing. And Connolly appeared at right back. He's been uh, absent for a while. So he was also like a new signing. So we signed half of a new defence and kept the clean sheet. Of course, the fact that the podcast wasn't out until after the Portsmouth game. That was due that to my busy
2: domestic schedule.
1: Blows a hole in the theory, but still, I still f- I feel we, as a group, are differing opinions, vindicated.
2: Do you think there's very much a case of too many square pegs and round holes before this and sticking Leeds back in the middle and getting Connolly in, who's a natural fullback? I mean, we mocked Leeds for panicking when he got up by the halfway line when he was at full-back. So get him in defence, centre defence, it's where he knows best. We definitely
4: look more solid, but it's worth saying there were a couple of times when they had chances, which on another day they may well have scored. So. It seems crick, It, wasn't, it wasn't exactly watertight, but it was a massive improvement.
1: Do you think it helped as well that Portsmouth's um, substitute striker was 60 years old?
4: Yeah, that might have. I noticed Canu, he wasn't really playing up front, was he? He seemed to just be playing wherever he was stood at that moment. And they were like, if, he drops in, if you come into midfield, you can stay there for a bit. But then when you get up front, just stay there for a bit. Don't don't put yourself out. Just panting a bit on his oxygen. <laughs> i do, you played in the same... For School off. team, isn't <laughs> um. In Nigeria.
2: So, Danny Pugh, what a signing. You were saying, we were saying last time he was almost not worth half a million quid. Well, he's paid back his fee. Well, we haven't bought him yet, have <laughs> we? He's paid back his fee that we're going to be paying. <laughs> Is
1: yeah, it 500 it right. grand a goal to win a game? <laughs> it was cheaper just to pay bungs. No, it was good. Danny Pugh always scored goals like that. Always. But <laughs> when he did score, he scored goals like that.
3: There was a couple of times where he didn't quite bomb down the wing... Like Gradle would have done, but he's not Gradle. But that's, we lack that, that pace from Gradle,
4: but he did well. He at least is left footed um, and he's willing to defend, which is, you know, two things I would look for in a left sided midfielder.
1: I suppose we can sort of rely on him letting AD White, or blanco, to zoom off down the wing while he can just slow back. So they've always said uh, AD White might be a left winger, so he can be the new maximum and Danny Pugh can just sort of patrol the touchline because that's the Connolly thing that Connolly came back and then Snodgrass is suddenly a a right winger again so maybe the argument in reverse. Overlapping. Overlapping that's what's happening. I like
2: a bit of overlapping and I thought I'm thinking that about White and Pew could form a nice solid partnership on that left hand side. Let the young one run past the slightly older one. And speaking of things out wide, West Stand saw the home of the away fans for the first time this year with their £36 tickets, was it? And the their, poor,
4: poor bastards. Yeah. <laughs>
2: they and were their, happy, weren't they? Their £25 concessions, which we spoke about last time on the podcast. Um, how do you think that worked in terms of atmosphere? Obviously not a very big crowd at Ellen Road, but...
4: Well, you didn't really notice they were there in the West Stand. Normally, I don't know if it's because I'm normally just op- bang opposite. You, you kind of do end up looking at the away fans a bit. I didn't... Really noticed they were there,
2: is it not a massive kick in the balls as well to see the southeast corner completely empty?
1: if you did want to see the away fans, apparently West Yorkshire police have got hours of footage <laughs> of uh, of every single person who was in the the away section, which all oh Ports- six hundred and fifty of them yeah, the Portsmouth fans don't seem too keen that um apparently all through the game they have just had cameras pointed at them for very little reason it's just um,
2: it, that is just Ken's way of opening up revenue streams because you never know when there's going to be a good you've been framed moment. <laughs>
1: Well, apparently they all uh, they all stood up and started singing 34 uh, Quid We'll Do What We Want." Which is <laughs> fair enough. I had sort of Was it thirty six quid? However much they paid, <laughs> it was a lot. Yes, yes. X pounds. We'll do what we want.
3: <laughs> Plus the new uh, away enco- enclosure for the supporters' buses as well, I which th- is which is a military encampment by it's definition. I,
1: I think no. Ellen Road has been crying out for that for years. If you if you ever stood on uh, any of the uh, streets where the, the the semis go up the hill around there and stood in any of the gardens and looked down at the ground. What they've been crying <laughs> out for is a chain link fence <laughs> and some Hesco bastion uh, protecting the away fans structure. It really sets Island, Island Road off nicely. Do you think it
2: forms part of the wider master plan they're going to look to implement a military compound when they redevelop the whole
1: area? They will, it's certainly part of the public realm. It's, um, these were the, the sort of works... There, there. Was going to be some trees, but hard landscaping is often there, uh, preferably very this kind hard,
4: <laughs> mortar-proof <to> landscaping. <laughs> I'll be honest, I've not actually seen this thing.
1: Oh, you can! Have, they're very proud of it because they put a big story about it on the on the uh, official website. It's like, and basically, it is just it's a square in the Fullerton car park just squared off but Hesco Bastion came and built it so it's a little bit over the top <laughs> for Stalag um, Stanlag I
3: mean... Ellen Road it's called
1: <laughs> well yeah you just search back in the news bit there's even a quote from Sean Harvey saying like, how great this thing is it's all redevelopment you see they're obsessed anything they build just, uh, put it on the website
3: but don't tell them how much it costs
2: right stuff what has happened at Ellen Road in the last couple of weeks we've we been on the telly yeah, well, we'll deal with uh, with all that nonsense in, in part three when we speak to Neil from the BBC. Um, in the meantime, let's deal with ins outs transfers and the like. Where else to start? But El Principito. No, that's no? not his
1: nickname anymore. Is it not? If you look on the no. official website, they announced uh, well they announced the news yesterday and then today there's the follow up story with the interview. Ramon, the important is importante. how we. No, 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 oh, no, no.
4: Ramon oh. el importante. <laughs> El Principito es importante
1: No, like, um, like some sort like of they
4: lost uh, in translation
3: then guess yeah. it came out as
1: That's probably Ramon. it, they probably stuck El Principito into Google Translate and it's come out Ramon the Important <laughs> Um, yeah, maybe they were using a version of a translation service from the Middle Ages. But... Well, that's
2: one of my favourite things about, say if you buy, I don't know, a piece of garden equipment that's been manufactured in China or, or Germany and the instructions have been bunged into the nearest translation software and you get them out and they're always... Uh...
1: Maybe that's why we couldn't um, play Raymond for the first year because his uh, his instructions were in foreign and nobody at <laughs> Ellen Drone knew how he worked. Despite
2: the fact that he spent all his time in
1: America. Sounds like American. yeah. America. Exactly. <laughs> El
2: he's going to be here for ages. They signed a contract, that's the news, which we've just been managing to skirt around for about a minute. He's signed until 2015 uh, with an option for another
4: year. It's like a new signing, isn't he? Again, he's been like a new signing a few times,
1: hasn't he? This is the third, third time now.
4: Third time he's been a new signing. Yeah. What are we going to do with all these players? <laughs>
2: Well, look, you know, let's be fair about it if we can and say that we criticise the club for its handling of contract negotiations. Where's so- Adam
4: Clayton's?
3: <laughs>
2: so when they secure one, we can't complain, yeah. can we? So it's good.
1: It, will. it is funny that my first instinct, and I feel it is right because I know I'm wrong, the first time I saw it, I said, oh, Raymond Nunes, new contract. I was brilliant. And it said, till 2015 with an option for another year. And I thought, it's a bloody long time. <laughs> and I don't know if it's, if it's just because we're so unused to the idea of our players being on contracts for that long um, that it just seems surprising. There is also, but then there is, I guess, the element of fear that we have ignored while we've been saying we should get these players on long contracts of, I mean, Alan Sheehan had quite a long contract and that ended up quite badly. Hand so. All. Yeah.
4: Robinson, Bromby
1: <laughs> all long contracts so bit of trepidation but the fact that we we have actually made a statement and said this guy appears to be our best player since we sold our best player um, even if he's a bit of a whinger so let's pay him and keep him, presumably he didn't want too much money.
2: <laughs> well, we can't have it both ways, can't we? No, it's, it's got to no. be the case that we ca- we can't complain too much about being risk-averse, no. and then they take a risk on a player and sign him up to a four-year contract. I'll, I'll, say what I we want, really.
4: approve of this more than I disapprove of it. Yes. On balance. <laughs> God, we're, we're a bloody unhappy bunch, aren't <laughs> we? Oh, we
3: just, is this contract extension just softening us up for the house and moving on? Because- oh, well, well the club have said
2: haven't they, that they're looking to sign up. That, you know, there are more to come. There are more contracts to come. So you'd, God, please be Clayton. <laughs> and then... Um, House and more than likely. Let's hope that they're going to do the right thing and start to move in a positive direction.
1: Actually, no, it's good. We can u- we can actually use Nunez's contract now to absolutely kill them because any player now that is signed up to a contract that is not until 2015, at least, we can now say that they're not planning for the future in any way whatsoever. What do you mean you've only signed Clayton until 2013? He's got to be here for longer than that. Bates out.
2: Now we're happy. <laughs> Um, Zach Thompson has also signed a deal for a couple of years as well, which gives him the chance to establish himself in they the first team They obviously don't rate him. In the first team squad. Uh,
1: 2013, they may as well, why don't you kick him out tomorrow if they don't care about about him? No, that's good. He seemed. I mean, we stole, we stole him from Everton, didn't we?
4: Well, we didn't steal him. They, they left him out on the drive to be collected. <laughs> he was a pu- puppy in a box, wasn't he? He was oh, a bit. Not no, the Tom
2: Leeds
1: puppy, but...
4: Yeah, he seems well thought of. We've not seen a great deal of him, but he's only 18. I presume he's not on much money. Let's see how it turns out.
1: Probably on more money than us.
4: I dare say he is, but... <laughs> certainly for this podcast. Which, for which we get we absolutely get nothing.
2: nothing. <laughs> we get some sweets now
1: and again. Are you getting paid for this, Daniel?
2: No, certainly not. So yeah, any other transfer news to chuck into the mix?
1: No, window shut. It's a blessed period of, of relative calmness, isn't it, at the moment? And plus there's been hardly any games on because of the international stuff. So it's, everything's died down around Leeds United. There's been absolutely no Leeds United-related news for quite some time. <laughs> On the uh, international thing, can't believe Ross
2: McCormack was left out. That was a bit of a strange one.
1: Yeah, he seems
4: to, have, seems to have been alleged that he's got a bit of a, an anti-English bias for uh, um, people playing in this country for some reason. He seems to prefer that people playing in the altogether Scottish league. And yet
1: the guy who scored the winner was Craig McHale-Smith. Which maybe is one... Of, I mean, I'm surprised McCormack didn't get in the squad, but I can understand why Mikael Smith maybe got in the team with Kenny Miller being out, because he is £2 million striker and probably and looks it. And he had a good season last year, whereas Ross has had a good six weeks.
4: Yeah, but he's just got Championship Player of the Month, hasn't he? Yeah, he should have been in the squad. And he was in the squad last season when he wasn't really playing. so It, yeah. it seems odd. Is it this is this an agenda against Leeds United? I think so. <laughs> definitely.
1: I quite enjoyed doing. Craig not-
4: Levine definitely, uh, he watches the BBC sometimes, so he's probably... <laughs> He's probably just picked it up from that.
1: I quite enjoyed Robert Snodgrass's um, international weekend because there were two stories came out on Friday where it was, R- Robert's raring to go with Scotland. And then 10 minutes later, it was uh, Robert Snodgrass has been removed from the squad with an ankle injury. It, it came round that quickly. Barry Bannum played as well. And I wrote, so apparently they had to glue his heel together. This is pure just chit chat now, but they had to, uh, yeah, to get him through the match, they had to glue his heel together.
4: Of his boot? Or you, or no, of his actual, actual foot. foot. Um, That's not possible.
1: Modern science. Get your oohoo out and... <laughs> yeah, don't pretty stick. I think they just use some Marvin on there and <laughs> then it could peel it off later. Stick that
2: on, it'll be re... Okay, on this bizarre decision to ban non-members and season ticket holders from the COP for the Cardiff match. Unclear whether it's one match. Unclear whether it's permanent what
1: why unclear why it's happened it's
2: just bizarre that the, the the logic and the reasoning has baffled me every time i've heard it
1: it doesn't make any sense um and it's almost like they're not even pretending to make any sense um it's the the most information we have is, is a response to behavior at the game against scum now what we know about the scum match was that the visiting fans from Salford unveiled some, well they were given a warm welcome outside the ground so there was some trouble outside the matches, the way fans arrived. And then inside the ground, um, some banners were unfurled referencing Istanbul. Some Leeds fans responded with chants about the Munich disaster. They were also chanted down by other fans around them, so it never really got going. And there were some songs about Ryan Giggs. Beyond that, any particular disorder. The Ryan Giggs songs
4: were fair enough. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And was and beyond that, nobody seems aware of any particular disorder and particularly not in the cop. But then Ken Bates said in his interview last week that after events in the cop, they've decided to do this. And he also said this is where then we. So that's one departure from logic: is that nothing happened in the cop, but because of the events that didn't happen, we've had to do something about Taking it. Taking
4: steps to move potential troublemakers nearer to the away fans.
1: Well, this is the other. <laughs> this is the next departure from logic is that they've analysed the crowd that were there, analysed who was on the COP for the Man United game, and they've come to the conclusion that it was mostly members and season ticket holders. So if there was any trouble on the COP, they say it looks very likely that it was caused by either members or season ticket holders. However, they've given them the benefit of the doubt and decided to ban non-members, who probably didn't cause any any of the trouble that didn't happen. So that's the, the step they've made. and And... Yeah.
2: Course, sorry, I'm just I'm pulling really quizzed faces here, which won't come across at all in this. You always look like that. Has yeah. anyone saw on the, the it documentary just on, on Monday. there,
3: Moscow. I just <laughs> it's, don't
2: it's crystal
1: I, clear. I just don't understand it. Oh, it gets even stranger is that, yeah, another departure from logic is they now say it's so that they can, in the event of any trouble, they can identify, no, it's not even in the event of any trouble, should any issues arise, which is such a vague way of putting it. I mean, they can get you for anything, basically, but it means they can identify you, but even if you weren't a member, if you Went, rang up and bought a ticket and gave them your credit card details. They would have your credit card details, your home address, your name. So they can identify everybody in the ground, whether they're a member or not. It just seems like another step down the road to turning Ellen Road into a completely joyless
2: environment. I mean, ticket sales for Coventry and Cardiff, even though we're on the edge of the playoffs,
1: bad. Tickets are now on sale for the um, Blackpool game, and it looks like they're available for non-members to buy. However... Ken said that if this experiment, well, Ben Fry asked him if this experiment is a success without defining what would constitute success, presumably a trouble-free game, just like all the other ones, would it be rolled out across the end of the season? Ken replied by going on about Luton versus Millwall in 1985 and never actually answered the question. However, I, I would quite like to go to the Blackpool game. I'm a member. I buy... Tickets. I also buy tickets for my friend who is not a member, he was a season ticket holder, packed it in because it's too expensive and I've got a a member card so if we're going I buy the tickets but I'm not going to buy any until I know whether he can actually get in or not because they've sold a load of tickets to members who for the Cardiff game you could still buy three others so as a member you could buy four tickets like you always could. But then they say it's going to be members only on the COP. So if all these people, all these non-members turn up with their ticket, but they don't have membership cards, it's not actually... Nobody has said, are they going to be able to get in or are they all going to be left outside? And until I have any clue... Why am I going to buy a ticket to go and watch football at Leeds United if I don't even know that I can get in?
2: I don't know. Maybe they're going to have retina scanners on the turnstiles by the Blackpool game. It just seems like, who knows? A personality test. Thought That's... police. Thought police. That's what they're going to have for people with issues.
4: There should issues arise, but it did seem a little bit sinister. It seemed to be a, a kind of, we are watching you. and um, you will It will be clamped down upon any well, disobedience.
2: God, you, can't, you can barely fart in Ellen Road anymore without someone in a purple bib running up to you and telling you to not fart. It just... Uh,
1: I mean the, the um at recent games there's been one old man who keeps standing up in the west stand and making obscene gestures towards the, the north stand of the ground and I've not seen any particular clampdown on um on the behavior in the in the John Charles stand so having seen nothing happen at the Man United game having them been so vague about, I don't know what it is that we can or can't do. There's another reason not to buy a ticket. I don't know what I might do that will get me thrown out. The Squareball Podcast, supported by thegeldedend.com. Let's talk now then
2: about the BBC documentary that was aired on Monday night, Who Owns Leeds United? We know it's Ken. Uh, Ken replied to it today in his state radio address. Not that bothered, was he really? I mean, he...
4: He only went on about it for 10 minutes uninterrupted. Yes, it was a waste of time. There was nothing new. It was a waste of money. There was nothing new. It was a waste of money. He's not as bad as most people.
1: Did he use any Did of his funny acronyms for the BBC, the Bloated Bias Corporation or any of that stuff? He
4: didn't. He seemed a little bit too ranty to get into any mm-hmm. any jokes. And I got a mention, even though he thought that I was you, Michael. Yeah, or he thought you were me or something. But um, I just wanted to distance myself from that haircut at this stage.
2: I I feel obliged, given the outcry on Twitter about my hair, that I feel the need to explain myself, so will you give me this opportunity briefly to explain my hair situation? Go ahead. That um, I was graced with quite a high hairline, which means that the front part of my hair does tend to have to be a little bit longer.
1: Are we going back to when you were born?
2: Yeah, but I mean... Were you a hairy baby? The school bully used to call me slaphead. So I've always, as a consequence, had to keep my fringe slightly longer. And unfortunately, at the top of Beeston Hill, my beautifully coiffured hair got a little bit windswept and ended up falling down my face. And that's all that happened. I had quite a sensible sideways comb over that went all wrong thanks to the wind in Beeston. Not that you're uh, at all sensitive about Don't judge me.
3: Don't judge me. David Colton was very jealous, I thought.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He'd have killed for that hair. He would. What do you make of the documentary then? Um, We didn't learn anything new, did we really? But it served a purpose. We didn't, but I would
4: think some people did.
1: A good example I was thinking of, and I'm always trying to explain to my mum, what we do at the square ball and why we should possibly be writing about who owns a football club and why it's interesting. She sees that, she'll she'll probably get it, I think. It pointed out all the inconsistencies and raised all the questions of the last six years and although it is a shame that it, it did sort of just become, it was a retread of things that a lot of people have heard before. If you line them all up like that and tell the story in half an hour, it is all a bit odd, isn't it? It's it's not, it's not It's not as easy, I think, for... Ken and to just sweep it under the carpet when it's just laid out like that, a solid 30 minutes.
2: Let's find out more then. I'm delighted to say that we are joined now on the phone by Neil Morrow, producer of the programme. Neil, thanks for joining us. No problem. Uh, I presume you hold up in a bunker, secure bunker, somewhere near Communist Party headquarters at the moment. Very
5: much so, very much so. You know, clearly looking for snipers outside, but at the moment we seem to be OK.
2: Good, good. So, talking about this documentary that you made... Talk to us about the aim of the documentary and do you think it achieved the aim that you set out for it?
5: Well, look, I mean, the, there, there was clearly two aims. One would have loved to have been able to find the perfect smoking gun, but the reality of tax havens and tax secrecy means that was always highly unlikely. Let's face it, even uh, Leeds Chief Executive Sean Harvey doesn't apparently know who owned the club, so what, how we were going to manage to do it was always you know, going to be difficult. But the, the truth is... The documentary wasn't just made for Leeds fans who know the absolute minutiae of what's been going on over the last few years. We were trying, really, to kind of pull the whole thing together and say, look, roughly, this is what has gone on for six years. And this is a story that is worth telling. You know, we here we have, you know, I hate to say it because I'm not a Leeds fan, but uh, Leeds are one of the biggest clubs in England. And yet... For a long time, we had no clue who was the owner, and that, that's just a bizarre position to be in.
2: So, how did the documentary come about? Then, what first put you in touch with David Kahn?
5: Well, I mean, I'm sure like yourself, I've I've read plenty of David Kahn's stuff over the years in the Guardian and the Indy, um, and I've come across him as you professionally in a, in a kind of a few situations. But I suppose it was obviously when the the decision by by Ken Bates to announce that. Uh, Outro or Outro Limited had bought the club in May, so soon after Scudamore had made his comments to Parliament. You know, the antennae of a journalist goes, you know what, this is unusual at the very least. And, you know, I talked to my boss about it. um, And, you know, her feeling was that the BBC possibly to some extent had been slightly behind the curve on the story and just felt it was time that the BBC made a programme about arguably the biggest sports club, certainly in West Yorkshire, that kind of at least said, look, we are following this story, we're looking at it. And, you know, that that's where it came from, a, a real sense that maybe it was time that the BBC properly investigated what was going on.
2: Well, in light of the BBC's involvement of it, there's, there's there are accusations by Perhaps the conspiracy theorists, that there's some sort of uh, BBC agenda against Leeds United and perhaps it's a a reaction to being banned from the commentary and so on and so forth. I know they're all intertwined, but how do you respond to that?
5: Uh, I I really don't think so. I think, uh, you know, the the truth is, particularly, say, for instance, Radio Leeds and uh, Luke North, it would be slightly odd if they weren't interested in Leeds United because you're a big club. You know, it's as simple as that. And you know, once MPs are starting to investigate the club, that it's it's a story. The problem with the lead story has probably been that it comes out in little dribs and drabs all along, and so every individual new piece is quite hard because you have to go back to explain it all. And that, and in a sense, that's the problem with the documentary as well: is that you can't assume the knowledge. And and so is so so, for instance, when Richard Scudamore. Made his comments in Parliament, which were clearly significant comments, and it was clearly shot across the bows both of the Football League and of Leeds United and of, and of Ken Bates. To to do that in a in a two minute news item is extremely hard. So I think the BBC just finally felt, you know, there's such a a kind of bulk of evidence here, of story here, that it needs to be done properly. And so, I mean, fair play to the BBC. I mean, you know, people slag the BBC off, but in a sense, it's probably the only organisation which is capable of actually financing the time and effort that these kind of actual documentaries take to make.
1: I think one question we had written down to ask was why anybody should actually care about the ownership of the club. I mean, you say it it has become a big story and built up over the last six years, but a a few people always respond that actually it doesn't matter. Ken bought it. Whatever happened in those six years is, is, is history now. And it's just the situation is what the situation is. But how would you define the importance of the story, maybe in the context, in the context, sorry, of the uh, the government response to the football inquiry that came out today? Well, I, I have this strong sense that you know, sport is a kind of
5: it doesn't matter at all, and yet it matters completely. It's kind of something you know along the lines of Shankly, isn't it? This is a cultural icon of the city of Leeds. So, if you're from outside of England, probably the One thing you know about the city of Leeds is Leeds United. And so I think it's important that there's a sense of dignity with how the club is actually owned. I also think, I mean, there's obviously technical reasons why it's important to know in terms of going back to the days of Robert Maxwell when he owned shares in two football clubs at the same time. And there were issues, I think, it was Dean Saunders being transferred from one club to the other. So it is important. And that argument, in a sense, is is already over. The the Football League, the the FA, the Premier League, the government, UEFA, everybody has accepted that who owns the club matters. And for Ken Bates to say, well, you you know, he did his pretty little comment about Saddam Hussein, but it is a nonsense at a certain point. As a football fan, you it's not complicated. You want to know who owns your club and hold that person
1: responsible. Did you feel like the um, the, re- the government response that came out today, do you want to wish you'd delayed the documentary a couple of days because it, like, it seems like a good full stop to the documentary that here is everything that's gone on in six years and now the government have actually said that it seems like by next February they're going to have to be licensed and the terms of the license seem to be that transparency is going to have to be something all football clubs have.
5: Simple answer, uh, possibly yes. I mean, that's the truth. I mean, I, I spoke to the the department, and they told me it could be quite a few more weeks before they actually responded. Mm. So it was one of those, you know, how long do you wait before you eventually decide to go uh, and and publish? You know, if I'd known it was Wednesday, I certainly would have thought, do you know what? Why don't we wait till Thursday? but I don't actually think it radically changes anything. But it, w- it would have been certainly an obvious peg. As a journalist, I would have said, oh, that's a good peg, let's go with that. Let's go the day after that.
2: In many ways, was it as much about the football authorities and the government as Leeds United?
5: Oh, I think so. I mean, I think so. I mean, whatever you think of Ken Bates, if he can get away with it, arguably, well, fair enough. You know, that's the nature of, of, of life. People get away with things. It's like a burglary. You know, on on some levels, you want to know, you want the burglar... The, the burglary stopped, but you also want to catch the burglar and, and and you want to ask why the police aren't trying to catch the burglar. And so in this situation, it's probably the authorities who really deserve more of the criticism because ultimately, you know, the Football League basically were prepared to accept Leeds United passed the fit and proper person test without ever seeing who was, who were the owners. So they went along with it. And, uh, you know, that's a a just,
0: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. com slash style.
5: Decision which, if they are there in order to defend the rights of the football supporters, I would say they've failed. But I think what you see with Football League is really it's a trade body Whose main interest is to defend the owners of its members rather than the more general interest of a football supporter. The FA uh, just come across as terribly toothless in the whole thing. They basically, they knew they didn't know who the owners were, but really they weren't going to push it very hard.
2: Why do you think they didn't push it?
5: Ooh, there you go. Now we're into into you know speculation. Of course. And then, yeah. You know I, I you know why because. If I was to be cynical, I would say that there's probably plenty of slightly unusual ownership situations and, you know, it could be a can of worms that they simply don't want to open.
4: How's the, um, how have you found the reaction from people generally? Have you had many hateful emails, people accusing you of ruining oh. the club?
5: well you know well one would have been disappointed if if you hadn't. to be honest i i think i would say the majority has been pretty positive it's been a mixture of some people saying you know fantastic stuff others saying well we haven't learned anything incredibly new but still well worth doing and then obviously there's others who thought oh we haven't learned that much new there now in in response to the kind of last bit, I would say, well, there were some new bits in there, particularly the fact that we properly identified that the Football League didn't know the other bits. Though there were bits like, for instance, the FOI inquiry, which obviously Wearball has uh, done a very good job on this week, which if you were writing a newspaper article, again, it's another small bit to the story, but it's not enough in its own to get involved with for the programme, and, and, and that's in a sense the TV problem. I mean, the administration on its own clearly could make a two-hour documentary when you go through the detail of how that actually worked. But in the end, it virtually came down to one sentence, which became KPMG tried to organise a deal. But the reality is, for those of us who understand the minutiae of what went on there, there were some amazing things that probably, again, have not properly been Published and explained what actually happened that weekend.
2: Just returning to the freedom of information information that you supplied to us, Ken Bates in his uh, state radio address has described it as immoral today. Um, is it immoral or
1: unethical? It was words to that effect. Yeah, yeah,
5: yeah. yeah. It's well, you know, obviously taking taking lectures in morality from Mr. Bates is something that one would expect. I mean, it, it, it was an amazing uh, little speech he gave, the, the, the question was, uh, well, did you see the documentary? And then he launched into about a six-minute... Basically, he, he, he could have done my job for me because he actually <laughs> just did the shot list of the entire programme, didn't he? So he clearly watched it pretty carefully. As, as he would say, if I said something similar to him, it's water up a duck's back, really. Fair point, fair point. And it's also nonsense. <laughs> 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 That's the other thing, let's be quite clear, it's nonsense. An FOI means that the thing is now in public. So the fact that well, I mean, we we briefly mentioned it in terms of when we talked to Andrew Carter on the programme, but clearly there was a story in there, and I have no no problem with the square ball having had a look at it, doing a much more detailed and forensic analysis.
1: Somebody uh, in the comments on that actually suggested we were doing your smearing on your behalf, <laughs> which was um, an interesting
5: angle. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean. As a non-Leeds United fan, watching the relationship between Leeds United fans and their relationship with Ken Bates is, is, is interesting. There are the fans who say, Ken Bates, he may be somebody we don't really like, but he's our somebody we don't really like. And anybody who says anything against him becomes a criticism of the club. And that's, uh, you, you get part of that washback, really. Because by daring to actually ask any questions at all,
3: you know, he had a go
5: at Dan, obviously, in, in today's uh, little, little diatribe. It's what he does. It, 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 it's, in, it's in his nature. It was, it, was, it was interesting. While I was making the programme, um, I was just about to leave the office. Um, so you, you did see the little uh, Hitchcock moment where I appeared in the documentary. Because <laughs> he suddenly suddenly rang me up. So I saw this number. So I don't recognise that. And sure enough, it was uh, Mr Bates. Though so for the first five minutes, he gave me a bit of legal grief, shall we say. And then I spent about 10 minutes trying to persuade him to do an interview. But uh, I even offered him that we would put it out unedited, so we couldn't change what he was trying to say, but absolutely not. So basically, he's not interested in serious discussion about the subject.
2: Well, it's funny you should mention it, because uh, in light of what he said today in his interview, we have contacted him and the club, Sean Harvey, and clarified this issue of, of transparency that he questioned with us. Uh, we have yeah. published our, our, our circulation figures before, and we've now sent them directly to the club and asked them to speak to us in an interview as well, Sean or Mr Bates himself. So we'll see what comes of that. It's, it's the third time he's Can I have a us. bet? <laughs> you <Is> can, it's, <laughs> yes. It's the third time he's had a goal I'll use Sporting
5: us. Bet. They're the, they're the in-house betting firm, aren't
2: they? <laughs> um, just going back to something you mentioned then about the council, do you find there was a reluctance from the council to come forth and speak about this?
5: Um, oh, interesting question. Interesting question. I would say, oh, that is an interesting question. I would say not necessarily, but we had to be certain that we were asking the right questions. Now, whether we quite got to the right question, I, 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 I mean, look, let's let's be honest about Bates' regime here. So we call it regime? That sounds nice and Soviet, doesn't it? He, <laughs> He, he does run, since administration, a reasonably financially tight situation. So uh, the Leeds Council are probably reasonably happy enough with that. But they, like the fans, don't like being called the equivalent of morons or whatever else he has sometimes accused them of. So I think if we, if we can ask the right question, and you can ask the right questions, I'm sure they have more to say on the matters of Thorpe Arch and... Ellen Road and just generally the, uh, the thoughts they probably have about the image of Leeds United whilst their uh, base is uh, calling supporters morons and dissidents, etc.
2: Et Finally, then, are you happy with how it turned out or do you have any regrets looking back at it now it's aired?
5: I, no, I mean, I am very happy with it, how it went out. I, I would have loved another 10 minutes because I, I felt at times the reality is that trying to explain some of the, the financial activities. Uh, in terms of how the, uh, the the tax havens work, you had to really rush through that. And, you know, it's actually the devil is in the detail in this story. It's, And I'm sure you know that yourselves. It's actually painting a broad brush doesn't really get to the heart of some of the things that were going on at Leeds United. And, and, and so that's frustrating. Like I say, you know, you could easily... Have done a documentary about the administration on its own. You could have done a documentary, <coughs> excuse me, about Ken Bates's um, business career prior to even arriving at Leeds United. Uh, so there were there, There's a lot of material there. Uh, but fundamentally, no. I think we did a pretty good upsum of the last six years. Certainly, as good a on one has as has been done.
2: Brilliant. Thank you very much, Neil. No problem. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thoughts on that, then, gents? Very interesting.
1: Well, the things came across is, he, it, I think there's a, a perception of this kind of disinterested BBC entity that just does these things. Whereas we actually talk to Neil there and hear him talking about it. He clearly he gives a toss about the subject. And so when people are saying why why did you make this muck raking documentary? It's because he actually thinks genuinely this is an important issue and it's a story that should be covered. And and that came across to me.
4: And as you said, it is a it was a local documentary and it is a thing that's of interest to people in this region.
1: Yeah, it's one thing people were saying, oh, if there was anything good about this, it would have been shown nationally, but it was only ever, it was, this was a Yorkshire documentary about Yorkshire's football club in Yorkshire and the very curious situation that people in Yorkshire should be interested in and people in Monaco and people in the Cayman Islands and people in the British Virgin Islands and, and so a, on. a few people so. in Geneva.
3: And he did have to create an overview in 30 minutes as well, which is not, as well, he said... Well, about 27 minutes, I think, there's, there's a, a lot, lot of here. details, as he said, we could you could delve into further and make a programme on their own.
1: So. But one of the good things about it being 30 minutes and in that format is it now it exists. I mean, it's already... It's on iPlayer at the moment, but it's on... YouTube in a couple of bits now. so if anybody now says, well, what is the problem at Leeds United? Well, there it is, there's 30 minutes, documentary explains it all. I and mean, it'll be there. It, it exists now forever. They'll be showing it in schools one day.
2: <laughs> and we should expand upon one point. Um, the references that both ourselves and Neil made to the FOI request, the Freedom of Information request. Have a look on the blog, thesquareball.net forward slash blog, and you'll find out this information that was passed to us about a £10 million investment group, he says in quotes, uh, that was lined up months, weeks before we went into administration in May 2007. Um, Sean Harvey claimed this to the council. So you can read all about that on, on the website. It's, we can't do it justice in the few seconds no. that we've got now.
1: You won't get any uh, too startling revelations from it. it. Doesn't There isn't a footnote that says, P.S., here is the club's name, club owner's name. But it's it's an interesting sort of wrinkle in the story of... The admin process that in the two months in advance, there seemed to be what Sean Harvey described as enough money to keep the club going until June 2008, which was all through the next season, which would have meant no admin, no points deductions. But it was entirely dependent on um, the ownership of Elland Road being basically given back to uh, the owners of Leeds United using Leeds City Council borrowing or money, basically they wanted Leeds Council to buy it and give it to Leeds so they could then do it with what they wanted. And it's because it's the only public statement that we that we had from that is a, an interview with Ken Bates at the time in which he accused Leeds City Council of being entirely unhelpful and uh, told them that revenge would be a dish best served cold. And if you see the, uh, the 11 emails back and forth in the run-up to that, you get a very different view of what actually the negotiations between Football Club and Council were.
4: Worth mentioning as well that a lot of the um, the plans that they had for it were contingent upon the club being allowed to then build on the ground, um, which, as we see, what has now happened, um, it seems that we have the club has got its own way in the end with ownership of the ground or not.
2: And if you'd like to sample that revenge dish, it's now available in Howard's restaurants. <laughs> Call double one three blah 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 for bookings <laughs> now. Games coming up then, thank Crunchy, it's Friday. We've got Doncaster again. They're trying to sign lots of big fancy players, aren't they, at the minute? Because they've got a new manager in the form of Dean Saunders.
1: Never going to work. They had a good manager and it was doing fine. It's a good thing well, he now.
4: Wasn't, he wasn't doing fine, really, they were bottom. But...
1: Yeah, but it's Doncaster. It, Even most Doncaster over fans seem quite content to be bottom with the championship compared to, I mean, do you remember when the, the chairman burned down their ground? I suppose any any, any way is up after that. things like that ever happened. Who's the... Um, player they were going to sign that used to play for real madrid diara yeah but it's not that one is it it's the The other other one one. yeah Yeah. which um i think just about sums up the situation where
2: like ali dia not george weir
1: yeah they've got this shiny new manager but it's dean saunders he's got to sign loads of great players except it's going to be their brothers
2: has saunders actually managed anywhere recently Wrexham. how
4: did that go no one likes to trip up the rexham
1: it was going all right for him considering um their owners were um had sold their stadium as well, the racehorse grounds. I Student think flats or something. Yeah, exactly, which have never been built, but the money for them has been taken from Wrexham FC. So they're currently in the throes of a, um, being taken over by their supporters' trust, which will put them back on some kind of basis. But I think Dean decided uh, he'd had enough of the toing and throwing.
2: So Doncaster lost to Cardiff a few weeks back, 2 0 lost to Reading, beat Palace at home, and then drew in something, I guess, of a local derby with Hull, before beating Peterborough. Is that Saunders' first game in charge, the Peterborough match? Went down to Peterborough and won 2-1. I thought he'd been there
4: before uh, that. Yeah, I think yeah, exactly. I, think, I think. yeah, so they've had a couple of wins then under Saunders. No, Things have picked up.
1: They've had a draw and a win.
4: He has got some points. <laughs> so they've picked up some points under Saunders. <clears throat> so we're going to lose. We think he's done better than they were doing before.
2: Yeah, I mean, we went down there and... Despite not playing very well, beat them with almost comparative ease from El Principito in the League Cup, didn't we? So we're gonna lose this, are we?
4: No, we'll win. They've got nothing over us now. Are we on telly? Yes, on telly.
1: Yeah, live on Sky against Doncaster Rovers on a Friday night. Deja vu. Cancel your plans, everybody.
2: Happens every year, doesn't it? Now, the seems glamour.
1: Well, I think it's. um, I've always assumed it's because Sky only put Doncaster on very begrudgingly, like they have to. So it's like wait until they're playing somebody good, and then. and put them on. I'm very intrigued by their um, top scorers chart. Um,
2: well, this is this is from our all new Super stats pack, <laughs>
1: <laughs> which again is barely readable. But it is here. We'll work. I'll work on this week by week, brick by brick. This will improve. <laughs> yeah, top scorer at the moment, John Oster, with one goal. And then there's uh, is God. that
4: former Leeds hitman, John Oster. Formerly, can you can you uh, uh,
1: can you back up that accusation?
4: Guilty, <laughs> <laughs> he was guilty of something, though, wasn't he? Was it not? Putting his cock on the bar at a Christmas party. Is that, <laughs> I think that's why he left, apparently. I think it, it was is. him or Jamie McMaster. One of them, one was egging the other on. I can't remember exactly. Maybe they crossed swords. So let's move maybe on. so.
1: Maybe so. One um, of the things I was reading about uh, Sean O'Driscoll being sacked was a, a Doncaster fan saying he
4: got his cock out. good. Not
1: again Sean. <laughs> quite good at taking players like John Oster in hand, and um, the he's turned into a bit of sort of a seasoned pro like he is now. But now they're all worried that now Dean Saunders is coming, it's just going to be it's going to go cock crazy all over again. <laughs> But um, yeah, and then I can't actually read the next guy's name. And there's Billy Sharp with Whoa. one goal. Is that Brian Stock? I thought he was a goalkeeper. No. Just to sort, of sort
2: of paint a picture of the We're all squinting at these tiny stats on a piece of printed, <laughs> uh, photocopied A4. Let's just move on to the Coventry match and let's talk about Gary McSheffrey.
1: How dare you mention that name in my hearing. Oh, uh, he scored a goal as well. Bloody hell, wonders never cease. How did that happen? Was anybody aware? How where? did you see that? <laughs> in, it's very small Gary McSheffrey, come back Well, I think that's why they've lowered the ticket prices Category C they always, We have one Category C game a season When they're trying to pick it out well Entertainment value from Goal Machine McSheffrey Is going to be fairly speaking, lacking. speaking of the
4: Category Cs um, Ken mentioned in his radio address today That people are complaining about ticket prices But there are 12 clubs in the Championship That are more expensive than Leeds Which was based on that bit of BBC research, which was... Ironically. Our, our, yeah. he, he Bloody re- communist. He just referred to it as an independent study. By an idiot.
0: Yeah, by, the, by, by someone the, who's looked by the at
4: Trotsky-est. the cheapest possible it's, one day of the year you can go to Ellen Road.
1: It's funny that he went with that independent study about the ticket pricing rather than the independent study that we did that showed that the season ticket prices were the highest in the, in the division.
4: And the fifth highest in the whole country.
1: Yeah, if he likes independent studies, we've got them coming out of our ears. So
2: back to the Coventry match then. Um, It's another one of those should-win games. They suck. Got to
4: win. Got to win. I won't forgive them if we lose.
1: I mean, look at them. 3-0 defeat to Ipswich, and Ipswich lost 7-0. Was it 7-1 by 12 goals to Peterborough, which makes Peterborough 20 goals better than (laughs) Coventry? Who are we
2: playing after Coventry?
1: Well, Peterborough, who will will beat. By that logic, I don't know. I know we're better than Juventus. That's how it always ends up. So it just proves <laughs> Leeds United are better than Juventus. Yeah, we've nothing to fear. From. Although um, Coventry's, um, they've done a nice retro badge this year to celebrate. Um, they're celebrating the life of, and they said Jimmy Savile. <laughs> they're celebrating the <laughs> life of Jimmy Hill this season. So they've built a statue of him outside their stadium and done a nice old uh, a new badge so based on, on their old design. <laughs> Got an elephant on it, I think, and it looks pretty good actually.
4: Anyone who's been to Coventry, the elephant makes even less sense. It's one of the least <laughs> exotic places you could possibly visit. I really think they should bring back the brown kit as well from the seventies with
2: Talbot on it. It yeah. was a, a fine football shirt. Uh, they've had a bad series of results, haven't they? They haven't won.
1: Because they're a bad team.
2: Yeah, they haven't won since tenth uh, of September
4: against Derby. High flying Derby. They also have a manager who looks very much like a kind of a pub landlord. I can't remember the What's the guy's uh, name? He's
1: Andy Thorne.
4: Ah, yes, Al Murray. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's who he looks like.
1: He really does. You see, he expects more aggression. He's the opposite of. when do we play Burnley? It's probably long enough away for me to be able to say it again when that comes round. But Eddie Howe at Burnley, whenever he comes on the Football League show, let's get annoyed because I don't like posh boys. And he just looks like he's just. He's just. He's freaking... quite, he looks
2: like a handsome public school boy who's was about 13 or something. Yeah, like he
1: looks like he just got out of a. Do you know many longbowl? handsome public
2: school boys, Dan? <laughs> Um No comment.
1: <laughs> he, he, he looks hairless. That's one of his man He looks like he's just got hairlessly out of a. Out of a boat, taking his uh, taking his pullover from around his neck, and he goes, uh, "Yeah, I'm uh, really pleased how that did today. I think the boys really gave it all. We'll save this for when we play Burnley."
3: <laughs> so Young Leslie Phillips,
1: <laughs> Eddie Howe's on the list.
2: Right, on to Peter, Bro, we mentioned. Then um, Saturday, the 22nd of October, lunchtime kickoff, East Coast Main Line. Get the train down. Drink cider, Michael. Are you going?
4: Yes. The train back's going to take about nine hours, though, because. They're doing some work. And bus replacement service. I don't think it's a bus replacement. I think it's just a train that either goes a very long way around or goes the whole way at about eight miles an hour.
1: Replacement slow train service. Yeah,
4: so I'm not sure. When you're always looking at the trains, it looks a bit upsetting, but oh well. Is it something where you're going to have to just sit down and essentially drink your way through it? It's a moving pub, that's all right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> They've not really followed up that um, hammering of Ipswich in a, a spectacular style.
4: Oh, it'll come. <laughs> I've really sort
2: of got a irrational dislike of uh, Peterborough for a variety of reasons. Listed in this current issue of the Squareball Mag in the previews uh, of the matches towards the back, Adrian Durham, talk sport, hates Leeds, winds us up, makes people phone his expensive radio station to phone.
1: How do you know where he's from?
2: He always blathers on about oh, Peterborough. Okay. and so he always He's winds a big Leeds fan. Yeah, he always that. seeks to wind up Leeds fans because he knows we always react.
1: That's why I avoid talk sport during the day.
2: And then you have Baconface Junior, who's obviously in charge of their football team and is a convicted wife-beater. That's legally established, isn't it? I think it is, yeah. So that makes him quite dislikable.
4: And his parentage is obviously very questionable. And uh, his brother is a, a dubious football agent. Just yeah. if we're going to insult other insult you children. you've Ferguson done it children. now.
1: Alex Ferguson now will refuse to be interviewed on the Square <laughs> podcast for years and years.
4: Our list is diminishing of possible
2: interviewees. <laughs> yeah. And there's just the whole... Barry Fry, chirpy Cockney
4: media darling, Harry Redknapp type, and the other the chairman, the what's he called, Is he called Dara, the Irish one. Yeah. yeah, he was in the when they got promoted, he was in the changing rooms of the players, and it was all a bit like, oh, I'm one of the lads. Look at me. I, I wish
1: I was a footballer. Leslie Silver did that in uh, 1990. Though.
4: Yeah, but he wasn't trying to be a lad, was he? It no, it not really. Because...
1: They were all calling him Mr. Chairman still, weren't they? But uh, no, it's Chairman. They, they just said Chairman.
2: So, it, Peterborough, it's the inevitable defeat, isn't it? I mean,
1: away.
4: Yeah, horrible yeah. pokey little ground. Well, I'm looking Lunch forward time. to this because it's on the train and it's a terrace and it's 20 quid, which is for me sounds about right. That's,
1: That's almost more important than the game in many ways, isn't it?
4: Well, that is, it's a nice mark of where football should be. What, if in, the tw- ni- in the 1980s? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> more it was, expensive. If it's 20 quid every week to stand on a terrace, I think that'd be about fair enough.
1: But they let you sit down. That's why they charge you more.
4: <laughs> That's kind of them, isn't they? Isn't it? We've um, not sold our allocation yet either. It's a big one, isn't oh, it? Or
2: is we've not sold Donnie out either yet. Uh, that's another... Think. It is a worry important, isn't it? That we can't sell the away allocations that last season we were hammering through them, weren't we? You couldn't get away tickets for love the money.
1: And the only... I mean, the good thing about away ticket prices for Leeds United is they're not set by Leeds United. So <laughs> they, they... Like this game, they, they can be reasonable guess nobody, nobody wants to go to Doncaster. They're going to stay and watch that Todd Carty documentary, but they'll be disappointed because they, be they won't Don- be able to avoid the game.
2: Doncaster have given us about half their ground, haven't they? About 4,200 tickets. so That's And true. it is a dreadful atmosphere. So, well, you know, if we get 4,000 there, it's not bad, is
4: it, for a Friday <laughs> night. 4,000 Leeds fans rampaging around Donny Town Centre. But the shame is there's at least 4,000 Leeds fans in Doncaster, so it's not even like all the Leeds fans in Doncaster are going, which is a shame. Fair enough. And then that Peterborough match, so you think... Good day out. What about the football? Going to
2: win? Ah, that'll ruin it. Yeah. We'll we'll lose. We'll definitely lose that game. 100%. (laughs) Sorry to be a cynical and return to my cynical ways after positive predictions for Brighton, but there you go. Right, let's move on. Any other business stuff we need to tie up? We need to give away the book, Gary Edwards' book. No glossing over it. So have we sifted through the entries and picked one at random?
1: There wasn't a question, so it really is just potluck. So
3: if you could tell us your name correctly you were entered into the competition basically.
1: <laughs> that was the test it's like an intelligence test and uh, since you actually you've had this book in your car for about six weeks because <laughs> we, we kept forgetting to actually set the competition and you should do the honours Oddie
3: well then David Granger hey. well done congratulations stay
1: well
2: in touch we'll send it send yeah. your address well I think we've got your email haven't we so we'll drop it. we can't an email. email him a book uh Mr Granger and we will, we'll Will uh, picture of the book?
1: <laughs> we'll we'll send him an e book and we'll keep the actual copy.
2: We will uh, we'll get your details, David. Congratulations and thank you to everyone who entered. Um we will look to give away Joe Muse's book in the forthcoming weeks when that arrives on my doormat
1: as long as your dog doesn't get it didn't your dog eat one of Joe's books
2: no it wasn't Joe's book no, was my it. dog ate uh, it might have been it was promised land oh yeah it was promised land wasn't it uh, dog ate promised land but I thankfully got another copy sent out when it went into paperback which is good anyway moving on more don't books. gloat about your freebies
4: <laughs> <laughs> more. you said you don't get paid for this you're rolling in bloody you're really, nobody <laughs> sends nobody
1: sends the rest of us free books but anyway uh, None moving on dogs.
4: <laughs> Moving on,
2: because we're running out of time, we need to do the Ken Bates Villain of the Fortnite Award. And before we do this award, we should say a massive thank you to Tom Spark, who contacted us on Twitter. He's an artiste, isn't he? And he's uh, drawn a beautiful little statuette, which I'm going to make the artwork for this podcast. So uh, have a look at your artwork on your fancy playback device, and you shall see um, Tom Spark's trophy that he's. Given us a virtual trophy, yeah. if you like.
1: It's a little golden Ken. It looks really good, actually. And yes, <laughs> we should mention the email he sent, said, could you pass this on to Johnny Housen's mum for me?
2: Of course, because <laughs> we gave Mrs House and the Ken Bates filling of the Fortnight Award for making Johnny sick the other week. The award, if you are new to the Squareball podcast, is about somebody who's contributed to the misery of being a Leeds United fan in the last fortnight. Gents, we need to give it away. This fortnight, start with the obvious one.
1: Nominees, Ken Bates... Well, he's always nominated it's, it's for, it, for this award. His award's been on, award. yeah. Um, the for, BBC. The I was going to say, I know we spoke to him earlier, but I've been thinking about it. That Neil Morrow, I'm not so sure now.
2: Well, he's a communist mind control.
1: Well, then he deserves to be on nominated for this. Yep. So he's on the list. He's in the running. Get a statue, a picture of one. Nothing's really happened, has it, in the last <laughs> couple of weeks? It's a shame. <laughs> um, news again. <laughs> yeah. Raymond Nunes signed a contract. Put him on the list. <laughs> We could nominate Craig
2: Levine for not picking Ross, but I think that's probably got its upsides in that he's not going to get injured playing for Scotland.
1: Well, but yeah, but he, then he sent Snodgrass back in tatters. So we've got two strikes against Craig Levine. He's not picking Ross McCormack. McCut, Ross <laughs> <laughs> not, Sam and Grayson,
4: <laughs> <Sam and Grace. laughs>
1: not, not picking Ross McCormack and sending our best player back in a box. So that's Craig Levine. We've got Neil Morrow and the BBC. We'll combine them all together. Da- oh, and d- David so
4: Is David Conning with them or is he separate? Well, he's he's a, another so-called journalist mouthpiece yeah. of a communist organisation. He's isn't an he? international
3: enemy, David mm. Conn, mm. and
1: we can yeah. So he's the uh, the international branch of the Legionite Hate, and then we've got BBC and Neil Morrow. then we've got um, Dan Moyland's hair. I think has to be nominated for for Ken his Bates, appearance in the Villain of the Week. Told you, don't pick on it. I mean, we're talking or about barber. so it, it's something that my con- mum. <laughs> it's something that has contributed to the misery of Leeds fans, and I mean, as soon as that came on the telly, so like I wanted to watch this documentary. I found it very difficult to sit through the rest of it because it just kept having it kept appearing again. It's like you know, <laughs> it's like when you've seen the spider in the room but you didn't catch it. And it keeps just appearing from places and you see out of the corner of your eye.
2: Okay, all right, I know where this is going. I'll take one for the team. that's fine.
1: Um, Ken Bates Villain of the Week.
2: I get the... My hair gets your the hair. Ken Bates Villain of the Fortnite uh, award. Thank you very much. I don't have an acceptance speech prepared. You know, just talking about the documentary, I got a text from one of my mates who didn't know that I was going to be on that documentary. And he watched it and he said... I'm watching it," he said. "But I can't tell what you're saying because it's just you."
4: I, <laughs> you got, I got a text as well saying, "Disco Dave gets everywhere." He <laughs> <laughs> oh. didn't mention your hair though, which has got to be pleasing. Yeah, one of which the, I think I think most of it has revolved around. No one seems to have mentioned what you actually said. One of the people on Twitter actually said his missus complimented me on
2: funky hair. Who, who who complimented it? Someone on Twitter. I can't remember. It was someone on Twitter's uh, missus. Oh, so it uh, your missus? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She she did my hair.
3: And Oddie, you want to do a quick shout to you then? Is this right? Uh, that's right. Not about my hair. Not about your hair. Yeah, I'd like to give a, a big shout out to Michael Bradley, who uh, lives in Sydney or near Sydney, which I believe is in Australia. He just caught up with the podcasts, and he's a friend of a friend of ours. So he's uh, he's very impressed. Good. So well done.
1: I'm, gl- I'm glad you specified it was Australia because he said <laughs> this is for Bradley who lives near Sydney. <laughs> Well, <laughs> oh, that's, that's not far away from Kevin's house, is it? Did you, just round the corner from Jeff. <laughs> Some of your other mates from the war. You know, he lives near Sydney <laughs>
2: <no>. <laughs> And with all that done, then, that shout out, we should probably uh, go our separate ways. Before we do that, let us quickly tell you about issue three of the magazine. That's the one featuring the Paul Trevelyan interview on sale now. Last few copies will be out for Coventry. New ones coming out for the Cardiff match after that. That will be issue four. You can find out all the details on that, how to buy, how to subscribe, have a look at the blog, all that sort of stuff via thesquareball.net. Get in touch with us as well. Podcast at thesquareball.net. Facebook, we're there. Twitter, you'll find us too. Um, I think we're about done, gents,
4: are we? I think so. Like your hair.
2: Yeah, So off we go into the night We won't be back in a fortnight We'll be just slightly longer than that We're missing uh, a Monday due to my disappearance on holiday At least I had the decency to book my holiday in a week We lose no pod Sorry, restricted to the half-term holidays unfortunately Due to uh, one of the people on our holiday being a teacher I thought
4: you were going to mention all
2: those schoolboys You have the, the numbers <laughs> of again But um, never mind Anyhow, uh, we'll be uh, back the week after half-term And we will catch up with everything that's been going on then. Look forward to speaking to you then. Bye from me. Bye from Michael. Bye bye. And Moscow White. Goodbye. And Oddie. Goodbye. We will speak to you soon. Bye bye. The Squareball Podcast, supported by thegeldedend.com.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.